Good evening, uh, Vuelvetu, and thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you, and evening to you as well as uh, everyone listening at home. Great stuff. Look, I mean, uh, it's it's obviously a truism. It, it It's something that doesn't even have to be stated, but it's a massive tragedy that we see circumstances whereby one young person who is a learner at a school takes the life of another learner at the very same school under whatever circumstances it might, m- might be. The fact of the matter is, is that we have two kids, uh, one of which killed the other kid, and that should not be under any circumstances allowed or accepted or condoned within any community or any society. Yes, indeed. Um, and if you were to check... Um this has been growing for quite some time because there's been a lot of violence in the in the schools. Um, um, fortunately, both social media violence are recorded and everyone can see exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's a call for concern that we need to act, look into it, because when you're speaking about um, that particular age group, we're speaking about our future. Now, if we cannot act and rectify whatever is wrong in that space, we do mm. not have a future of the country. I hear you completely, but it's, it's, it's really problematic, as you said, and it's something that we see regularly on social media on a regular basis. I mean, it's all that we uh, keep on being fed with almost is this idea and this constant uh, notion of seeing how young people are busy taking each other's lives and constantly beating each other up and, and doing things that are way outside of the, the age group, things that are just obviously... Uh, problematic and, and very concerning. And what I'm just getting at is is that at some particular point, uh, you know, we will need to bring this nonsense to an end. It needs to stop. Where do we start in the first instance? Um, uh, because I, I personally feel that it's how we socialize and how we raise our children and what circumstances, um, you know, they live in under at home um, that, that then further then bleeds and leads into uh, these situations that we tragically read about in the newspapers after the event? Yes, um, I think I can quantify it to say we have a collapse or a breakdown of the what uh, I could say is the African institutions because we as um, Africans, I think, were brought up um, in our families, in our churches, as well as our communities. Now, if you've got a family that is broken down, you don't have the culture of respect of teaching your kids how to solve their problems without violence. If you do not have that in a home, and if you don't have a, a church environment whereby um, people, um, actually young people go to church, I understand the doctrinal issues that people may have, but if you look at it from a moral perspective, the church grounds people to understand how they need to treat other people and how they need to resolve other issues. Now, the last one is the issue of the community, because when we're growing up, even though our biological parents were not there in front of us every time, but we knew that the elders in the communities, our fathers, they are our mothers, therefore we do ought to respect them. Mm. So much effect when an elderly person um, um, is, is disciplining you, um, that is not a crime, because it takes, a chi- it takes a village to raise a child. So what we basically need to have, we need to resuscitate the role of those African institutions, your community, churches, as well as the, the family. I, look, I hear what you're saying. And I mean, a lot of what you are stating is almost uh, what we've ex- started to accept as basic fact, that this is just the way it was, that we were always 
uh, in communities and societies that were cohesive, that uh, my neighbor could inevitably tell me what to do and how to do it, and that uh, if I didn't comply with that, uh, not only would I have problems with my neighbor, but I'd also have problems with my parents later on if they found out that I, I was rude or that I d- refused to comply with um, the instruction or, or the, mon- you know, the, the oversight of a neighbor. But, but what I have difficulty with in that particular framing or that framework is that, as you had said, that um, what has so suddenly changed under these circumstances that we have young people not sort of respecting the authority of the neighbor any longer and that they're going ahead and just doing whatever the heck they want to. Because obviously, um, we know that despite sort of this romanticize, uh, you know, romanticizing of the past, that we've always had certain social problems. And key amongst them, for example, was the introduction of migrant labor. And that many people who are adults today uh, never had the privilege of being raised by their own parents, but were rather, rather as you correctly stated, raised by gogos and, and aunts and, and other family members in rural areas and in townships whilst mum and dad were forced to leave home and live in other areas to work. Yes. So, in other words, um, that, that notion of the nuclear family, uh, especially for a lot of black South Africans, was almost non-existent uh, mm-hmm. a, as part of our history. So, what changed so suddenly that now it's problematic? Um, there's there's a quite a number of factors. For example, there's legislation, legislation that has been brought. In fact, there's been this notion that has been brought that um, when a parent is disciplining the child, that is regarded as abuse. Um, to a certain extent, you do need perhaps the, uh, the parent to have a proper way of disciplining the child. Mm. Uh, but if you check currently, you find that it is not disciplining at all because the parents have got that notion that immediately I touch this child, I'm going to be labeled as, as an abuser. So that is the first issue. The other issue is that the parents, um, they've let the, 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 the building or the growing um, of their children to TVs and social media. They do not, um, what you call, take, uh, they, they do not have an active stand on um, disciplining as well as growing up their children. Um, hence you find that a lot of these children, they are basically taught a lot of things on social media as well as um, television. Therefore, if the parents cannot go into that space, um, you find that you have children that will be brought up by American principles or what is happening all over the world, but they will not be able to be brought up by their own parents. I hear you, and that's also something that obviously is, is sort of serious concern, and it's not necessarily American or European or, or Asian uh, principles or, or, or systems that necessarily bother me in this instance. What bothers me is the fact that there is no relationship between parent and child all too often, and that for me is obviously a serious issue under these circumstances. But let's just take a step back and, and look at what you had just said and what you had framed there in terms of what you see as a, a particular problem um, around discipline in particular and 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 let's be honest and i think let's let's uh, uh cast um, you know niceties and and being 
I don't know, um, what's the word I'm looking for there, being polite with each other aside for a second. And let's also face facts and just be quite frank and honest with each other. If you look at Forest Hill High School and the children that were involved, if you look at the Western Cape and the other incident that also occurred, which I'm sure you're also aware of, where we also have a 15-year-old that is obviously the, whose life has been taken in this instance, um, and many of the other examples that we constantly read and hear about uh, through our news media of children being killed and children killing each other, all too often, if there's one commonality amongst them, is that they come from poor black communities. Um, and, and the legislation and the laws that we see applying to those poor black children are the very same laws and bits of legislation that apply to middle-class white kids. So what my question in essence is, is why is it that we don't necessarily see these stories emanating from, I don't know, middle-class suburbia in Joburg where we're talking about St. John's College or Parktown Boys, where we don't have those stories coming from those particular schools, but we have uh, stories like these coming from schools like Forest Hills High, which is in Turfontein, which we know is working class, um, if not lower than working class at this stage, communities. Why is it that those, uh, and, and largely black children, that then suffer from, from these um, uh, problems within their communities? Why is it that that problem then exists there, but the framework in terms of discipline is the same for those kids as well as other kids? Um, it's a matter of the environment. If you're to compare the two environments where um, I could say your upclass environment as well as your township environment, it's much easier to enforce discipline um, to a child that has the constant presence of the parents. And at the same time, you find that the means of disciplining the child, for example, if you speak of a child who goes to a very expensive school, is used to going on a holiday in, um, overseas. Now, if the parent is saying you won't go to, uh, for example, uh, on an overseas trip as part of your punishment, that is most likely to actually trigger um, a response from the child whereby they need to behave. But you find that if you're going to use the very same model of trying to discipline a child in the township, it does not work because they are not, um, they do not have the same amount of, of privileges. Therefore, what we basically need, um, as well as the influence... I, I hear you. I'm sorry for interrupting there, but I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I hear that you are obviously not, and I hope that you're not just framing this simply as an overseas holiday is the only possible punishment that could be used uh, no, by white parents. And I, I know that you, I'm, 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 I'm fully aware of the fact that that is not what you're getting at. But uh, surely we, we do understand that, I don't know, uh, detention at school, or alternatively, um, a child being having parents who are present to explain to them and to have conversations to them about their errant behavior. But on top of that, also being a little creative about punishment or punitive, um, um, you know, uh, implications for what they have done. I'm pretty sure that we can start stretching the imagination and actually start having serious conversations within our communities, whether it be uh, the communities surrounding Forest Hills. Or, or any other community for that matter where we largely find poor black people 
to be able to ensure that we are able to actually discipline our children. I mean, I'm sure we don't only have violence, as in beatings and 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 uh, spankings or, or corporal punishment, as our only option in this instance. I'm I'm, I'm sure that's not what you are uh, suggesting in this instance. I'm sure that we can expand the brain and our minds a bit to say how do we deal with errant behavior within our communities, within our home, with our children, and then obviously deal with their behavioral issues. Yes. Um, look, the, the manner in which a person is disciplined might differ. Uh, for example, um, you can discipline a child in an upmarket school um, the very same way you, in which you discipline a child in a township school, but it might not be effective because the circumstances in which they're growing up is not the same. I agree with you that what we basically need is to find Firstly, what is the root problem? The root problem is that you've got these broken institutions. Now, you need to inculcate these values from a human perspective to make sure that the behavior is rectified. Now, when the behavior is not what it should be, there needs to be punitive means. Now, effective punishment, not um, a generic punishment whereby we say holistically, this is how you punish a child. I agree with you, for example, the issue of, um, I remember in high, in high school, there was hard labor whereby a person needed to clean the school windows or, or clean um, um, the school grounds as a means of punishment. It was effective then. Now, what we basically need is to find means and ways of having effective punishment wherever that the child has gone wrong. But the first point of departure, it is having these um, institutions coming together and bringing about these values of respect, Ubuntu, um, and, and all of those things so that the children are able to behave properly. If they fail, then you introduce the punishment. I mean, what I'm basically getting there at uh, Vuelwetu is the fact that, unfortunately, um, and, and especially for yourself as a member of parliament, I mean, this is something that you would be very okay with, if not now, at, at least in the not-too-distant future is the fact obviously that you are um you you have a responsibility right um uh, from uh, as as a member of parliament to uphold the values of the constitution and the, one of those values of the constitution is dignity uh and, and and freedom of the person freedom and security of the person there's also many other bits of the constitution that i can uh, point to especially within the bill of rights that then in essence prevent us as a society just to go out there and beat children so in other words it's a constitutional principle of ours that corporal punishment in the home and in the schools is not necessarily the best and the only option that we should be exercising but that we should be seeking other alternatives so the key question then is what are you doing yourself in this particular instance to provide people like myself and any other parent for that matter and i am a parent actually uh with the opportunity to then say that listen my child is obviously going through a tough time for whatever reason um, because of the school, because of the environment, and I need to discipline this particular individual, but taking into account that I have a constitutional framework to operate within, how do I achieve that without breaking the constitution and wanting to change what is a constitutional uh, principle that is entrenched and is not going to go away? Because I think that is the reality that yourselves as politicians and us as the remainder of society need to start to learn to deal with. Yes. Now, if you, if you to notice, 
I stress more on disciplining rather than uh, what you call corporal punishment or beating, because like you've said, it goes against what the Constitution is saying. Now, when you discipline a person, firstly, discipline comes from love. So it is not about destroying the person, rather it's about restoring the person towards a certain behavior that is acceptable and for, uh, for the goodness of society. Now, what we need to have, or the conversation that parents need to have with their children, firstly, it is bringing the children um, 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 up using good moral ground. And the second issue when it comes to now, when a, chi- when a child has failed or when a child is not acting accordingly, there should be effective means. Now, what, what I mean by effective means, what might be effective for your child based on what um, you have exposed your child to and what, uh, what you've exposed your child to might be different for my child because we're talking about two different children living in two different homes with two different experiences. Now, what is effective, it is a means whereby you know your child, you know the best way to discipline your child without um, um, contravening the Constitution. So what we must not do as a society is to limit disciplining on um, what you call physical beating or emotional um, abuse. Rather, we need to focus on means and ways of teaching the child to do right. Now, you and I are cooking on the same fire because I totally do agree with you on that basis. But, Vuluetu, I think that you and I both are aware that, and, and this is something that, I mean, you, you, you've spoken about the church, for example, and the influence and the impact of church within our society, right? And I'm, I stand to be corrected, but I'm pretty sure that I'm correct when I make the following generalization, that all too often you will find that there are more churches within black communities or at least churches servicing poor black people um, and access to those particular churches. And then my question then becomes, why is it that despite this almost overexposure to church, is it that we still find ourselves in a space, quite frankly, whereby, um, you know, it seems that these churches and, and their presence and the fact that people are going from uh, to church on a Sunday from 6 to 6, literally, still is not having the requisite impact on the mores, the morale, and the conduct of community members, more in particular, the conduct, the mores, and, and the thinking of young people within those communities. Why is it that there's this major disconnect between the two? Uh, the, the major issue with the, the multitude of churches that you have currently, if you were to check maybe when we were growing up, there were relatively few churches. And these churches, they, they, they are, they are, their focus was on um, bringing um, a value system. But if you were to check now, a lot of people do not go to churches currently because when they go to church, you find that it's more on the gospel of um, um, materiality and, and, and capitalism whereby you preach about riches, wealth, and all of those things. So that does not speak to how a person should conduct himself. But if you go to mainly the African independent churches, the ones that have been existed for a long time, you find that the, ma- the nature of the teaching there, it is, a, it is the teachings that actually bring um, the, the children up on, good, on a good value system. Therefore, when you speak about church, um, we speak about broadly based on, what, on the kind of churches that we had 
that focus on um, what you say, which is the morality and the conduct of the people, not the current character of the churches, which are focused on and the wealth and the riches. So what if I turned around and I said I find what you just said extremely offensive because um, whatever church I belong to, that's my chasm, that's what I believe in, this is what I'm taught, this is the interpretation of my Muruti, bishop, prophet, um, or you know, either in combination of those titles or one of those particular titles, uh, that that's how he interprets the Bible, scripture, whatever the case might be. And that is how he then inculcates a certain level of, of good behavior or good uh, uh, practice on my behalf in, in the rest of my congregation. Because those people will turn around and tell you that the uh, a prosperity gospel, as an example, ensures that people are hardworking, that people then uh, provide for the poor, that they donate to their communities, that they can uh, donate to their, uh, what you call it, to their churches, uh, that they're active participants on a regular basis within those churches, etc., etc. The long list continues around what they will tell you is virtuous about those churches. But fundamentally, despite the fact that I don't believe in a lot of what those churches preach, uh, if not all of what those churches preach, the fact of the matter is it's what people believe. And, and how do we influence, how do we regulate what people believe? Because technically speaking, the very same constitution that you and I started talking about not too long ago uh, can say that, uh, that, that the deity or the God that we believe in is a golden feather duster. And there's nothing wrong with that because the constitution allows us to believe whatever the heck we want to believe. Yeah. Like, look, if you speak about the churches, I think ever I think a lot of people in the country attest that um, there seems to be um, commercialization of the gospel or um, the, uh, of worshiping God. Hence, you find that there's even a commission that investigates even the practices of the different churches. Mm. Now, where I'm getting at is that where we come from as a country, we're exposed to we as people now who are perhaps in our mid thirties were exposed to a certain type of a community that included, for example, how the family used to operate. When you go to church, the kind of teachings and influence that you were to get in a church. Now, if you have to compare the kind of communities, churches, and families that we had back then versus what we have now, you find that, for example, the communities, everyone is thinking about themselves. They don't care about um, the, 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 the next-door neighbor, whether they have something to eat or not. So what, we are, what I'm basically saying, at the root of our problems, it is a value system that we've lost as the families, the churches, as well as the communities, if we do not address that. Now, like what you're saying, we've got a too open and free constitution. Now, that in itself, has, it's something that we need to look at to say, if we're too open and too free... And what is too not- open and too free? I, 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 and I hope that you would define that. I am fascinated by this idea of a too open and free constitution, by the way. Um, we're too open and too free in the sense that it seems as if everything goes in the country. You have, for example, like you're saying, um, you have uh, people that were feeding people's names in the name of worshipping God or petrol or all of those things. But the constitution allows them. There's no framework... To, to, to not to limit, but to guide towards a certain objective or a certain ideal. 
We just, um, so, so, so let's assume for a second, let's just assume for a second that it's true that the Constitution then allows me as a preacher to start a, a church where I'm able to feed people snakes, uh, grass and, and petrol, as we've seen in the news, right? Let's assume that what you are saying is indeed true. Are you telling me, Vuelueto, that you need a Constitution to give you the capacity to think for yourself as an ordinary human being? that there's something wrong with my church that feeds you dog meat, rats, snakes, petrol, or any of those other things, or rat poison or spray doom in your face, any of those things, that all those crazy things that we've heard of. Are you telling me that a constitu- you need a constitution to give you decent brain capacity to understand that it's actually, quite frankly, stupid for you to participate in that type of behavior? And then expect to, I don't know, get a blessing or something in, in, in return. We need a constitution that actually protects the citizens from devious characters. Remember, people can come to you, for example, and lie to you. We've got maybe insurance salespeople that will come to you and sell you what you call, sell you dreams, sell you things that are impossible. But you've got a mediator whereby when a person lies to you, you've got something the government or the constitution allows the government to introduce a mechanism to protect you as a citizen or a consumer. But when it comes to the issues of faith, there's no mechanism that protects the people from devious characters who abuse um, the, the, the faith system of the people um, and they make them eat all of these things that are basically also harm, harmful to their own body. I find it surprising that you said that because just literally minutes ago you mentioned the CRL Commission that is actually investigating and looking into this particular matter, Vuelato, and you mentioned that they are obviously um, fulfilling their constitutional duty into looking into whether this is constitutional and whether this is in fact legal for these churches to be operating under the circumstances that they are. But, but notwithstanding, let's move to other countries uh, that we all too often quote as best practice. I mean, I'm thinking about our Scandinavian countries, whether that would be Sweden, Norway, or, or Denmark, um, or even some other parts of, of Western society, which you bemoaned earlier on, talking about Western influences, etc., etc. I mean, I look at education systems within those particular countries where they are reviewing um, you know, the, the education systems, uh, trying to make it even more successful than what it is at the moment, where you find higher levels of employment, where you find uh, none of our problems with, uh, you know, a lack of education. And at the very same time, those are countries where you're not allowed to, 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 to discipline your children in the way that we discipline our children still in this country. We're also... Um, you know, a lot of the things that we are complaining about. They have free access to the internet with all its pornography and all the TV shows with all its violence. And yet somehow they manage to raise their kids, right? And we aren't able to do the exact same things. What do you think is ultimately the big difference apart from sort of the capacity issues that you've been alluding to? Because I ultimately believe that as human beings, we're human beings and we are able to. Um, if, 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 if a white blonde, blue-eyed child in, in Sweden is able to behave themselves and make a success of their lives despite the absence of corporal punishment, surely we can do the same for black African children who are in poor communities in South Africa. What is the big difference between the two? Why can they get it right and we can't? 
I think for us, our major issue in South Africa is that most of our systems, regardless whether it's an education system, um, economic system, and so forth, we've somewhat looked at um, countries like you've mentioned and not taking into account that we, South Africa, have got a different country with a different, um, uh, with people that have got a different culture or a different environment um, from what we have in both countries. I'd like you to expand on that and to explain what this difference is because you've been talking about differences, right? And and, and, and I really don't don't want to accuse you as a member of parliament of the ATM of, of sort of sounding like Hendrik Verwurt and talking about different capacities between, I don't know, black people and white people. What are these differences that you are talking about beyond the obvious on the surface social circumstances between us and them? What, what are those significant important differences between us and, say, the Scandinavian countries and those kids growing up in those communities uh, that prevent us from being able to make a success of raising children that don't kill each other at school? Okay, let, let me first address this before I move to, to, the, to, to my point. Us, we believe that there's one human being, the very same human being like um, alluded, that is um, in Western Europe, is the same human being that you may find in I am in Africa or in South Africa. However, the environment in which these two different human beings are brought up, you cannot take a a, a, a person that has been brought up in a certain environment, you come and impose another system for another person that is um, brought up in a different environment with a different culture. What we need as South Africans is to determine our own systems, education systems, because we know the social, our social issues Rather than saying this is how um, this is this system that works in in Scandinavian countries, therefore it will work for us. We need to design our own system because we know the pros and cons, and most importantly, we know the kind of culture and environment in which the people of this country are living in. The reason why I asked that question in the first place, Vuiluetu, is because what I find fascinating, if I especially look at those Scandinavian countries, is, for example, the issue of religion is a private matter. So who I pray to and whether I pray to anyone in the first instance is my personal indaba, if you get my drift. It is not the business of the state. It's not the business of the community. It is actually my own business, if I even believe in a deity for that matter. So what my concern is, is that if the environment in that particular space seems to be conducive, if the environment in that particular space seems then to be encouraging and ensuring that we are developing and that they are producing people who are productive and good for society and not a burden on society, aren't going about killing each other, uh, not doing all of these horrible things that you and I are reading about in the newspapers on a day-to-day basis, don't you think that maybe what we should do as South Africans is rather than looking to all of these other interesting theories and ideas about separate circumstances and conditions, then look at the social conditions that we're raising our children under and fix those as a starting point. I mean, I I don't necessarily think that it's only uh, single mothers that are contributing to this problem because, again, in those Scandinavian states, you find that there are many, many single moms who raise their children successfully. I'm pretty sure that it has a lot to do with how we interact with our children and whether we interact with our children in the first place. Don't you think that is something that is that needs to be dealt with in the first instance as soon as possible? Yes. 
Don't you find that at the, initially in the beginning of our discussion, I spoke about the breakdown of these African institutions, your family, church, and the community. However, my main, main issue when we compare ourselves with um, those other countries is that our circumstances are not the same. If you were to look at the nature of our problems and the root cause of our problems, those other countries, maybe they had those problems maybe 50 years ago. Now they developed means and ways to overcome those challenges. Now, if we as a country, we cannot say this is the best practice system according to Norway, therefore let us use it. What we need to have is to say these are the underlying issues, including the social issues that we face, the issues of, for example, what type of communities that we have in the townships, whereby um, here in a corner house there's a family or there's a house just next door, there is what you call a shipping. Now, you find that maybe in the Scandinavian countries, there's not, the, 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 the construct of their own communities, it is not the same. So it's very dangerous to, from a system perspective to try and impose because our construct as a country, it is very different. Hence, the issue is that once you have um, a system that speaks to the problems or the needs of the families, taking into account what is currently there, mm. you'll be able to overcome those challenges. Therefore, what we are saying as the ATM is that let us look as a country what is wrong. Firstly, it is the value system of the people. Secondly, what is wrong? It is the construct of our townships that are there, whereby it's, um, you have shipping, you've got churches, everything is just mixed um, in, the same, in the same street. Now you find that all of these children now, even if a person, a ch- child does not want to go out clubbing, but if the next door there's a shebeen, now they'll be exposed to when the grown men are fighting or killing one another, or maybe mm. they are abusing um, the women, because that is the nature of the environment in which they are brought up in. And for me, I'm saying the environment plays a role. What kind of environment are or exposing our children to how can we put, what can we create now a good environment in which we can be proud of our children and, and, and growing up I think that the biggest key issue for me and I will go back to that 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 those examples of the Scandinavian countries and some of the other western countries even some uh, countries in 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 the global south yeah in uh, you know we are part of the global south as you're fully aware um, you know, whether we talk about Southeast Asia or the rest of Africa, there are many countries that are getting it right in terms of um, the type of thinking that the young people have. I mean, I'm looking at and I'm thinking of some of the poorest African countries where I've seen and personally experienced a love for education and an understanding that education is what actually elevates and brings you out of poverty and that you find very little of the issues that you and I are talking about, the violence and the killings and that type of thing within those environments. And yet you will find all too often that those people are far poorer than us. Don't you think that what we should rather be really focusing on, you and I right now, and especially you being a member of parliament, is to create a conducive enough environment for this economy to grow, for people to be able to get more jobs, for people to be able to provide better for the family so that we don't have the wholesale unemployment that we have at the moment in many of our townships where we have a lot of young men and women who are able and should be able to work 
sitting around and drinking their lives away as an example and then also recruiting young men like this one from this particular school into gangs and having these young kids going around killing each other under the circumstances that they are killing each other. I mean, surely we really need to start looking at those particular long-term solutions than say, for example, the notion of church and family, which is extremely subjective. And I don't think that you're necessarily going to change people's minds on, especially as I'm scrolling through my social media and look at what people's priorities and immediate priorities are in the society that we're living in in South Africa at the moment. Yes, um, yes. The, the growing of the economy and what it does as a benefit, um, it's no doubt uh, something that is a priority. Now, what I do not want us to discount, it is the, the human element, the value system that you find in the people. Because if you remember during the times of apartheid, you find that people were not wealthy. They did not have a lot of jobs or, or high-paying jobs. However, because there was a strong value system, we did not have this amount of violence and everything that we have currently. Therefore, you need to have a two-prone approach whereby you, 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 you create the value system of Ubuntu because it defines who we are and it is our strength as Africans. And at the same time, you grow the economy in a, in, in a manner that will um, benefit the people. Because we find that you, you, sometimes the economy grows, but it does not make any impact on people's lives because they're not having any ownership. They do not participate in the economy. And for us as the ATM, we are saying it's very important for South Africans to own the economy. We can't have South Africans not participating in the economy or just being mere spectators. Now, we do know that over a period of time, the ownership of the economy by South Africans will translate to improve education system, will translate to um, a good social um, upbringing for many of our young people. Mm. I mean, this is a, you know, to uh, coming towards the end of this particular conversation. I mean, again, I'm going to point back to the fact that you're a parliamentarian that you're sitting in parliament, um, uh, you know, and, and that you have an opportunity. I mean, you don't, you clearly don't have a majority. You can't change the constitution. Uh, you can't necessarily enact laws uh, by yourself. You will need the assistance of other people. What would be your approach? What would you be doing in an effort to bring about the necessary changes that you need, that you feel we need as a nation to see an improvement um, around these issues. I mean, it's a lot. Of, a lot of the things that you spoke about sounds to me like a, an extremely long-term uh, project, and this is not something that you're going to achieve overnight. So, how are you going to go about bringing about these uh, moral, social, and familial changes within our society uh, that then necessitate and make it possible uh, for us to see fewer of these issues that we see within our communities at the moment? Um, the first is to involve um, religious leaders in the schools. Um, uh, they will help in terms of the morality of our young people. The second thing, um, which is very important, it is to deal with the drug issue because we find that many of these um, incidences of um, children um, being violent, you find that there are traces of drug abuse here and there. Therefore, the longer we continue having drugs roaming our streets, then the longer the problem will persist. Therefore, if you do not deal with these kingpins who are bringing drugs to the country, 
who are distributing drugs to our young people will not be able to rectify this problem. Hence, we are saying our understanding that the people that distribute drugs in our streets, they are committing biological warfare on the country because they are destroying, they are, they are destroying the youth um, of our country. So if you speak about those two things or um, in, the, in the short term, then are most likely to have a much improved behavior amongst young people. Well, I wish you luck. Um, I think the rest of us and the rest of the nation would be watching and uh, waiting with bated breath. I don't necessarily think, as you heard from the conversation that we had, it was an interesting debate. I mean, it is something that we do need to address. I think all voices are welcome in trying to resolve this issue. And, and I think it is important that at the very minimum, uh, people like yourself are putting yourself out there and, and, and giving us uh, your uh, proposed solutions. Whether people like myself agree with you or do not agree with you is neither here nor there. The important issue is how do we go about resolving this issue and actually having serious conversations about, I don't know, at the very minimum, uh, trying to find ourselves in a space whereby we are looking at resolving these issues. And I think it's a, obviously very important that we get to that point. But I thank you for your time. Um, all the best and uh, good luck with the next five years in Parliament. Thank you and good night to you too. Cheers. That was Vuyoletu. Uh, um, Zungula, he is the he's a columnist at News Twenty Four, president of the African Transformation Movement, as well as a member of Parliament. After this, um, looking up at the time, it's five minutes to go, literally four minutes to go before we get to midnight. Uh, when we do come back after the midnight eyewitness news, I'd really like to hear what your thoughts are about this, because and and I just want to quickly frame a couple of things that I have a concern with in terms of this is is that. Um, and, and as I said, I really welcome Vuiletu's uh, uh, opinion piece as well as the discussion and the debate that I was able to have with him tonight. Uh, the only thing that I'm concerned by is the framing of this idea that we need to um, you know, bring back the church, that we need to obviously uh, bring back all these other entities, uh, the family, etc., etc., and focus on those entities and then build uh, this, this, this uh, society uh, that that's going to you know be able to look after children. In other words, grow uh, the community uh, that we'd like to grow in this particular instance. And I'd just like to hear from you on whether that is actually a realistic expectation from you. I'd really love to hear whether what your thoughts are about that, and whether that is exactly what we can expect to see happening uh, as time goes on, um, and whether it is possible to sort of introduce uh, this this notion and this idea uh, that has been mooted. Uh, this evening. I'd really like to hear what your thoughts are about that three minutes ago before we get to midnight.